Even though I may not know a lot of you guys, like, and I don't get to come here all that often, but there is still a sense of God's called us to be one people, one family, reflecting His glory to the world. And I just, um, I, I feel like that's actually going to come through in what I want to share this morning. Uh, and it's going to be a key for you guys as a congregation, as a people moving forward. Because you guys are growing too, right? And uh, I'm quite excited for that. So who, re- sorry, for those of you who don't know, my name is Ross. He's already introduced me. And my wife, Margo, we have two children, which are unfortunately not with us this morning. Um, they were devastated, actually. They were with Oma and Opa. And they wanted to go, like, we want to come to church. But they've been driving around back and forth with us so much, we felt it was just the best thing for them, actually, for this weekend, just to have a little bit of consistency in their lives. But, um, yeah, so also, husband of one wife. <laughs> just reiterating that joke. But, yeah, it's so, it really is an honor and a privilege to be here with you guys this morning. And, um, you know, who, who wants to see the blessing of God poured out in your life? Who wants to see his anointing flow, his salvation flow, not only into your life, but into those around you and into the community and the congregation, right? Isn't that all that we want? His healing, his, his anointing, it breaks the yoke. And don't we, we want to see that. And I feel for, for this morning for you guys, this is a key message for you as you align yourself with the heart of God. We're going to jump into Scripture now, and, uh, and we're going to have some fun together. All right, so let's, let's jump straight into the Scripture. first Scripture I want to share with you is Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. And we're going to, we're going to read this, and then we're going to have a look um, at a few other Scriptures. How good and pleasant is it? And this is the NIV, I think. How good, there we go. How good and pleasant is it when brothers live together in unity? It is like precious oil poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life after evermore. Right? Maybe put the first verse back there again quickly. Some translations say, how good and pleasant is it when God's people dwell together in unity. And I feel for us this morning, as I, as I share this message with you, there is something of understanding how big a deal unity is to God. Because if we don't align ourselves with His ways, we can step in the way and prevent Him doing actually what He wants to do through us. It's that anointing that's going to flow. So how do we stop that and prevent that actually from not happening, right? And I, I want to maybe get a, a, a few guys up here. Is that all right? I want to do a little bit of a, a picture with you because I feel... There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a phrase that I want you guys to remember this morning, and we're going to get there now. But if anything, you leave here today, you remember this phrase. Hopefully, it'll bring back everything I've shared with you this morning. I, I've uh, experienced that in my own life, um, even just sharing with my wife and being in a situation. And she said to me, and I'll give you a phrase just now. I'm not going to kill it. <laughs> so let me, can we get a couple of guys up? Let, let me see first. Maybe, Shawnee, don't you want to come stand here? So Sean does... In a sense, he leads his congregation. He represents something in this house that the government of God is, in a sense, dad in the house, right? And there are other elders around him and with him. And who, maybe who's, Albert, you've got a nice beard, bro. So let's say, okay, come, don't you want to come stand behind him here? And I, I kind of stole this picture from Andrew. He did a little while ago, and I t- took a little bit of license. Maybe stand on the stage, right? So, no, you can stand here, yeah. So ultimately... Aaron is, our high, is the high priest, but ultimately he's a high priest now. It's Jesus, right? So ultimately, 
the, the anointing starts to flow. You look like Jesus, that's why I got <laughs> Starts to flow here. And in the household of God with government, with structure, there is those things. God has been very, he's very clear in his word how he adds and he knits the body together, right? As it, it would begin to flow down onto his collar. So Sean could be his collar. <laughs> but maybe I want to get, let's, Rian, you're an elder in this congregation, so po- position yourself next, next to Sean. <laughs> All right. Yeah, just you can just stand next to him. Maybe um, let's maybe get someone else. Bruce, don't you want to come and join us? There we go. There we go. So now, come stand. Maybe go stand that side of that side of him. Right now, as that oil begins to flow, as it splashes down his head and trickles over his beard, the closer these men are to one another and to Jesus. <laughs> Should I do it? <laughs> no, no, right. <laughs> so, so if I, if I had to, <laughs> if I had to pour this water on his head, right? I already, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, there's, elect, there's electrical equipment here. If I had to pour this water on his head, it would splash down onto these men, right? It's a great picture, really, of the anointing oil, right? Now let's let's maybe get somebody somebody else. Chance, or let, no, Audrey, you come stand here. Audrey, don't you want to stand over there? Maybe you can, yeah, just a little bit away. Yeah, unfortunately, you that one today, sorry. <laughs> if, I, if the anointing oil has been poured onto Albert's head and these men are benefiting from that, how much of that do you think she's going to get standing over there? No, yeah, if anything, right? Because it's not going to reach her. And this over here... <laughs> Stay there. This over here is called the gap. You remember that? And I'm going to entitle my message this morning, Closing the Gap. All right. If, that, if anything you remember when you walk out of here, closing the gap. Because ultimately, you want to close this gap that you get to benefit in that anointing, in, that, in God's way. Because really, this is his principles, right? His, his anointing flows. That's that anointing that breaks the yoke. It brings salvation. It brings healing. And not only to this congregation, but to those around you too, right? Amen. All right, guys, you can have a seat. <laughs> you guys are really, really good, eh? So I want to, what is that gap? And we're going to talk a little bit about that later, uh, how that, how that, how we close it and what exactly it looks like. But I want to just, the importance, and I'm going to call you guys up again later, so just, you know, stretch, get ready. So the importance of unity God. Unity is a big deal to God. I'm not going to just use that scripture. There's another scripture. Jesus prays in John, it's John 17, verses 20 to 23. And Jesus prays this prayer. It is outrageous in many ways. If we look at it through human eyes, this is Next level. My prayer is not for them alone. Now, this is Jesus talking. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about you. Every single one of us now, yeah, sitting here today. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as you and I are one. That 
if you, if you meditate on that, is like God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one. They are one. We serve one God. There is serious intimacy there. There is serious oneness between them, and he desires the same for us, right? So if it's a big deal to God, it should be a big deal to us. Amen? Amen. <laughs> right. And I feel in, in this, it's for us to grasp that and then to actually look at what that means and how it looks. So practically, how do we live in the unity that God desires for us? And this is, this is the thing, because we can talk about it, and it's like, oh, great, you know, we won. But when the rubber hits the road, what does it actually look like, and how do we find that unity that he's called us to live and to model? Because actually he says that, right? He says, the glory that you've given me, I've given them. The glory, God, that you've given me, I've given them. That means that our oneness, actually, is his glory. It's a reflection of his glory. So... It's a huge deal. <laughs> That's why he says, for their love for one another, the world will know them. It's their oneness. It's their unity. It's that type of love for one another that the world actually looks at this thing and goes, that's not normal. Because it's not normal. Amen. So let's have a practically look at how we live this out and how God, this unity that God desires. And I, the scripture I want to I read from there is Philippians 2, all the way from 1 to 8. And we're going to go through little portions of it as we go. But I'm going to start with this. And this is Paul speaking. And, uh, you know, Paul is great at encouraging. He's great at commanding. He's great at telling us how to live a good Christian life, actually, and how to reflect Christ. Um, so he's very clear. He doesn't mince his words in this. He's very clear in what he says. And we want to find out how that looks for us. Right. So, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and, one, and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Wow. <laughs> it's pretty odd, that, right? But let, the unity aspect of that, let's just maybe pull those, pull those things apart. Being like-minded to Christ, right? So it's, it's how, what, is, what is Christ's mind in this? What is Christ's mind that he models for us and the picture that he has for us? And in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 19, it tells us how God through Jesus, reconciles us to him. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, so Christ's mind is to reconcile, reconcile us to the Father. He comes with the intention of doing that. You see, to, have, to have the mind of Christ, we, we've got to carry that same mind, right? We've got to carry that same purpose to reconcile people to God but also, now that we've been reconciled to him, we've also been reconciled to one another, right? So there's this, there's this beautiful mystery of how it's all interwoven together. Having the same love as Christ. And what does the Bible say? There's no greater love than he who lays down his life for his 
friends. The love that Christ showed and, and, and um, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, reflected to us, the, the, the life that he lived is one of sacrifice, actually, is one of laying down his life, not picking up his life. The Bible speaks often, there's places in the Bible, it says, you know, those who seek to find life will lose their life. Those who lose their life will find life. And this is the picture of Jesus. This is the, sto- this is the life he lived in the story itself. So what is it to love like Christ? It's to die like Christ, actually. It's to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters, for your friends. No one really likes to hear that. And I don't mean necessarily take a physical bullet, because it actually might be easier to take a physical bullet than actually kill your own desires sometimes, right? It's easier just to go, just, just take me out of my misery, right? I'll take a bullet for them. It's an honorable death. And I've said, no, no, it's each day as we walk. And I'm going to dive a little bit more into that. Being of one, well, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, I want to I go into that a little bit. Being of one spirit. One spirit with who? With Jesus. And it says, there's a scripture in Romans that says, all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. It's Romans 8. And we know in Galatians it tells us that the Spirit will always war against the flesh, right? So if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap death and destruction. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap, reap life. And I love what Charles, eh? I love what Charles said this morning. It was beautiful. He says, and I was just listening to his story. It's like, it's almost the same thing, right? As you sow, as he's learning to sow, what is he sowing into his relationship? What is he sowing into his family? What is he sowing into his wife? Because that's what he will harvest. Is he sowing good seeds? Is he sowing to the Spirit where he's going to reap love, patience, peace, kindness, joy? Or is he not? And, and that's a whole nother preach. But I mean, the concept of that is that's our life. This is how we live life. This is how we live the good Christian life. We decide, am I sowing to the Spirit or am I sowing to the flesh? But let's have a look at that scripture in Galatians. Um, so we'll put it this way. This, this picture I had over here of the gap, right? To sow to the Spirit is to close the gap. To sow to the flesh is to widen the gap. Okay? And we're going to dive a little bit more into that now. But that scripture in Galatians 5 verses 19 to 21 Tells us, and I'm gonna, we don't have to necessarily read it, you can put it up there, but I'm gonna paraphrase it a bit here. It tells us what the acts of flesh are, the obvious acts of flesh, and it tells us what the acts of the spirit are. So it says the acts of the flesh are obvious, right? We get sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, which is disunity, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition dissensions, factions, and envy. Now, any one of those things, if you're sowing those, if you're sowing into that, you're widening the gap. Whereas the gifts of the Spirit are love, patience, peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, right? If you're sowing to the Spirit, you're closing the gap, and that's actually what you're going to reap. Ultimately, ultimately, unity is a fruit of sowing to the Spirit. It's going to bring us together, right? Because ultimately, that's what Jesus came to do, is to bring us to, to the Father, to unify us to the Father. So ultimately, when all of this works together, and the life submitted to Him, we have unity with Him 
and with one another. It's incredible, actually, right? Now, Paul urges us in Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, again, he's doing it, right? <laughs> he's, he's, he's urging, he's commanding, he's speaking very strongly, but he says, As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. You see, Paul knows, he's telling us, hey, if you want, if you want unity, if you want to, want to have good fruit, you've got to make every effort to fight for that unity, preserve it, right? And he's urging us, he's speaking very strongly in this, unity of the Spirit. Are we in the Spirit or are we in the flesh? Are we in the Spirit or are we in the flesh? And like I said, that's a whole nother preach. That we, we're not going to go down that right now. But the next line or the last of that is of one mind. This is what unity looks like. This is, this is it being thrashed out in, in literature, <laughs> really. And now we're talking about it, how it begins to look. And Well, what is it to be of one mind with Christ? Again, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, I don't know about you, but it's ve- I think it's very difficult to, be, to, to, to think the same all the time is, imp- is impossible, actually. And Unless, whose who's, who's mind have we been given? Mind of Christ. Unless his mind is in us and we are beginning to think like he does, we begin to respond like he does. So it's not, it's not hey, you like purple chappies and I like green chappies. No, we all have to like purple chappies. It's a bad example, but, <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? It's no, no, no. It's hey, what am I willing to do for you to have a chappie? Right? <laughs> That's a bad example. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? There is, there is a heart behind this, right? There is a, a desire to see unity and to coming into oneness. Um, I wrote this. I said, we need to have a common submission of our thoughts and our mind to Christ. Choosing to love and sometimes wrestle our thinking into line with a perfect reflection of Christ's mind and love. So yeah, sometimes it's going to look like that. Sometimes you're going to have to wrestle your thoughts, wrestle your mind, not to think what you're thinking, because what you're thinking, you may be entertaining negative thoughts. You may actually be saying to the flesh. Because we know what the Bible says, love is patient, love is kind, love believes the best of, love hopes all things. So take thoughts captive, making them subject and obedient to Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 tells us that. Take your thoughts captive. Constantly we've been bombarded with this, I'm different, I think differently, and I begin to justify my position. But the Bible, it says to us, take your thoughts captive and make them subject to Christ. The way he approached things, his heart is always for reconciliation. It's to take the low position. It's humility. It's, the, it's counting others more important than yourself. That's a hard, hard word, right? 
Let's, let's have a look here. Jesus says this, he goes, in Matthew, and this is a beautiful picture of, of Jesus laying down his, his own desires, actually. Because you know that Jesus didn't, he didn't want to go to the cross. You know that. I mean, Matthew tells us. He says, it says this in Matthew 26, 39. It says, going a little further, he fell with his face. So I am spitting. <laughs> going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not my will, but yours. Right? So he's, there's this beautiful picture of what he's doing there. He's going, I don't want to die on the cross, but I know the importance of it. I know what it, I know, I know, I understand that, Lord. Is there any other way? No, Lord, not my will be done, but yours. And if we're to be like minded to Christ, we can, we actually mean to approach each other in that way. We actually, because Paul goes on to say, in Philippians 2 verse 3, says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interest of others. Sorry. Then he says in verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So it's not only this. He's like, in your relationships with one another. And then it, then it says, again, at the end, he goes, he describes the humility of Christ. He describes, the, 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 the heading of this portion of scriptures is actually the humility of Christ. Christ's humbleness. And he goes on to say, who? Jesus now? Jesus, being fully God, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And I know what I'm saying is hard. It's a hard saying. It's, you, know, there's that, you know that scripture when, when Jesus' disciples come to him and they say to him, he says to them, you cannot have any part of me if you do not drink of my blood and eat of my body. You know that scripture? And they go, this is a hard saying, Lord. And he says, well, if you don't do it, you can't have any part of me. And a lot of them leave him. I think the 12 are left behind and they go, well, where else do you go? Where else do we go when you have the words of life? And in, it's hard. It goes against Everything the world teaches us, everything, it goes against the, pretty much what this world is built on, actually. This, build, this world, that's exactly what Satan did in the garden. This world is built on self. Did God really say this? Me. It's built on self-righteousness, self-justification, self-defense, self-protection. It's all of these things. And every time we respond to something, we're going to get there to those we have an op we we can we either respond with a self or we don't <laughs> and he, and this is where he, he is so clear for me he goes do nothing with selfish selfish ambition do nothing with selfish ambition so if you want unity don't entertain self if you don't want unity entertain self so to the spirit selfless so to the flesh self fulfilling it's a hard word, though. It's a hard word. And I'm not, remember, I'm, I'm not saying, hey, we all want to like purple chappies. 
Again, it's a hard thing, right? The Lord is working. He wants to deep, work deeply in our hearts. Now, I want to give us a few examples maybe because I know this, this is the foundation. This is the scripture that we stand upon. But what does it look like in real life? What does it look like? Because what is that gap? What, what adds to that gap and what takes from that gap? So maybe can I get those guys back there? Right, as they're coming up, they, you know, you guys all know in Revelations it tells us Satan is the accuser of the brethren, right? He stands before the Lord and he accuses the brethren. Where what does Jesus do? He lives to intercede for us. So there are these two ministries happening actually in heaven. The one of accusation and the one of intercession. The one intercession builds up, accusation breaks down. All right? Spirit, flesh. Accusation, flesh. Spirit, intercession. You see, you see these two, two concepts all the time. Jesus is teaching into them. He's modeling these things, right? So here we have this gap. And this gap, feeding in, like I said, feeding into to letting the accuser come and put, put thoughts in your head and buying into those thoughts is going to widen that gap. So let's give a couple of practical examples here. So you're sick. And sick in bed, right? You're part of this congregation, you're new in this congregation, you're sick in bed, and no one has brought... Huh? Yeah, you're not separated yet. Maybe stand here. It's my wife, eh? she's great. She helps me with these, you know, she's very visual, so very good. So, you're sick in bed. Sorry, Audrey, you just... Uh... <laughs> okay, wait, let's use, let, let's use uh, Rian. Because this can happen to anyone, right? It can happen to absolutely anybody. Now, we, you guys all know these are the elders in the church. You lead a community, eh? Yeah. And you're not leading anything, eh? Saint. There we go. Oh, deacon. Okay. Anyway, but this can happen anywhere. I've got to fight for this in eldership teams. Like, all the time we're fighting for this, right? So it's not... There's no hierarchy in these things. You need to understand that. But let's say, let's use it, you're sick in bed, right? And you're pouring out your life for everybody all the time. You're taking their meals. You're loving them well. You're, just, you, 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 you're, doing a, you're a good example of a good man, faithful man. Eh? You and your, and your wife and your family, man, you're a good guy. But you're lying sick in bed. <laughs> and no one brings you anything, takes the time to bring you anything. Right? So you've, you've worked... <laughs> Because uh, you've, you've, you've poured your life out into loving this body. No one takes the time to even phone you. No, he's really okay. And it's not. It's, now, the, now, the reality is you guys have just had a marriage, marriage course, right? So you've been busy as a congregation. Um, you, you guys are about to go and leave. So you're trying to get things in place. Um, we had a meeting last night, so you, they were, and even Sean's like, please, please, like, we've just had a marriage meeting, do we have to have another meeting? I was like, yes, we do. <laughs> you, see what's, you see what happens here, right? So, so life happens, and the life of the church can be busy, and things can go missed, okay? So unfortunately, nobody notices that he's sick in bed, and no one phones him, and um, what happens in his heart in that moment? He has a choice. Enemy's coming. He's Remember, he's the accuser of the brethren. So Satan's going to come, and he's going to throw little thoughts, and he's, he's going to accuse. Hey, man, Sean, like, you're pouring your life out for this guy. He's leading the congregation, and he's not even like, you didn't help me. 
Connie, just find somebody to bring me a meal or something. My wife's got running around, like, trying to sort out the kids and, like, right? He can think that. Did this, did this happen? Did this happen? No, jokes. Listen, this happens, right? This is church. This happens all the time. He can think, okay, these guys don't love me. They don't want to help me. They, they actually, I'm just, I'm, what am I doing here? Or, what does love do? Believes the best of. What are you going to do? Are you going to believe the best of? Are you going to cover their mistakes? See, you know that scripture, love covers a multitude of sin? You know that scripture, you know that scripture love covers a multitude of sin? This is what it's referring to, actually. Our love for one another can cover sometimes, because maybe he, was, he did overlook him. It happens. He, he's not all-knowing, all-seeing, all-doing. He's just a guy. He's just a guy. But so his love for him, same love that Christ has for us, overlooks our sin and failure and closes the gap the same way Christ closed the gap between us and the Father, right? He's just reflected Jesus. Now that type of love, the world will know them. That's the love that we're looking for, right? Now... I'm going to give you a couple of examples because it's your birthday. No one wishes you a happy birthday. On the community group, every, you know what community groups are like. Everyone is on the community group. I'm tired of community groups. Yo. <laughs> you get a hundred different people wishing and your birthday comes around and no one wishes you a happy birthday. Hi. And they, and they know it was your birthday too. Hi. Mm-mm. I'm not in this, this church. There's no love here. There's no love here. They, they talk about love. They talk about family. Whose birthday is it now? They talk about love. They talk about family. They don't practice it. They're hypocrites, man. They're hypocrites. Yeah? With that attitude, huh? Listen, I kid you not. Yeah, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to share an example, actually a real life example that happened to me. Right? There's no love here. Sean hasn't phoned Oh my goodness, Sean hasn't phoned her. Oh my word. Now she's on her way out the door. I forgot Sean. Oh, I forgot Sean's birthday. I did that this week. Whoops. It was his birthday on Friday. <laughs> Whoops. But I expect him to be mature enough. Maybe I'm speaking into something now. I expect him to be mature enough to be able to look over that and forgive me, right? But the danger is if I didn't, if, like he may even work something in his heart. He leads a congregation. Imagine the damage that the distance in this relationship is going to do. It's going to take a whole congregation with it. You see, this is the kingdom. This is how the kingdom works, right? So we've got to fight for this. And that's why it starts at the head. So eldership teams, they've got to be in unity. Leadership teams, they've got to be in unity. Because if they're not in unity, I can guarantee you the saints aren't going to be in unity. And this is for everyone, really. This is, this, and it's for absolutely everyone. So maybe your birthday, sorry, I'm, I'm going a little long here, but we're having some fun, eh? Are you guys all right? Okay. So, and then you start in, like, <laughs> I thought of this. We actually invent cliques. You know, we don't like that. We say, oh, this church has got a click, you know? And now, now you're starting to break. Now you, she's, she's believed the best of, right? But we start to, don't we start to do that? We say, no, this church has got to, this is clicks. 
They're clicks in this church. I can't get like, look, you know, people tend to gravitate towards the similar things in life, right? So if you've got a bunch of surfers, they're probably going to hang out together. If you've got a bunch of golfers, what a click is, is when those, when those doors and walls are so closed that no one can come in. It doesn't matter if a whole bunch of the surfers hang out together. It doesn't matter if the fishermen, I love fishing. So obviously I'm going to tend, I'm going to talk, have an de- interesting conversation with somebody that likes fishing. But if I don't allow anybody else into that, there's a problem, right? So now what we start doing is we start inventing clicks. Oh, this church is a click. They're all these, they've been here for a long time, and this often happens to visitors too. It might not even be a visitor. They've been here a long time, they know each other, they wish each other, but no one remembers my birthday. Right. Let's give another example. How do you close that gap? Well, by love, believing the best of. By maybe, maybe blessing other people on your birthday. Maybe here's a good example, the guy that was lying sick in bed. What could he do? He go, you know what? I know my friends and my brothers and sisters. They do love me. I'm lying home and sick in bed. I've got time in my hands. I can pray for them. Who needs, what do you guys want? And send a message out. Hey guys, I'm at home sick in bed right now. I can pray for you. Just send me a couple of, send me a couple of prayer requests. That's closing the gap, right? You need a lift to the gathering. No one offered. This is a question. Did you ask though? Because <laughs> we, love, we love to think in church that people can read minds, right? We're just people. And maybe we can't. Maybe we're going a different route, but we're going to try our best to get everybody there, right? So now you all of a sudden start thinking of all the people in the church that could have given me a lift. There's like 10 people here that I know there's a space in their car and no one's offered me. Now, where am I now? Or am I going, guys, I need a lift. I'll take an Uber if I have to. Can somebody, I don't have money for Uber. Can somebody, just... I believe, I love you guys. It doesn't matter if I can't get there, but I want to. Okay, we can lie across the back seat on your lap. <laughs> right. And so we're closing. That's closing the gap, right? Next time I get a car, I'll give you a lift. There's <laughs> another one. Bringing a word on a Sunday. So maybe you see the guys, we're worshiping up front here, and you've got a word. You bring a word, a prophetic word, and you feel... And I'm not going to get into that teaching, but you feel this word is so on point. It's not your responsibility to bring it to the congregation. Your responsibility is to lay it at the leader's feet. But often we can go, oh, they didn't share my word. You actually don't know how much your word might have changed the direction without being shared. Like, but again, that's a whole, whole other teaching on its own. But what happens when you bring that word? And then you might look at somebody else, but Audrey always brings a word. And they listen to her. She's always going up there. Like she's not, why, is she, why, is the Lord, why does the Lord speak to her, not me? So you can, firstly, you can get angry with the Lord. Or you can just get frustrated with her, and you think that she's trying to just get in there and get access to the mark. And some people do do that. But what do we do? We cover their sin. We love them. We don't increase the gap. We close the gap. Maybe the last one, and I, th- I find, you want to sit down? Shame, these guys. They've been so good, eh? <laughs> so maybe the last one, and I've, um, I've encountered this, and I think, you know, God looks at the heart, okay? He really does look at our hearts. And when you can say the same thing, 
with a different heart attitude, and it can do a different thing. It can break or it can build. Asking the same, just asking a question. If your heart is wrong, you can sow a seed of doubt, and you can increase the gap between other people. You become divisive in that, actually. The Bible warns us about divisive people. We all make those mistakes. So, hey, the way you ask questions, the way you posture yourself even, somebody in the community needs prayer or needs, like, for example, Rian, who didn't get food. And you notice this. And do you go to the rest of the community and go, surely the leadership has sought, uh, have looked after him? Oof, what have you just done? Or you can go, no, man, I'm sure the leadership have just looked like they've looked after him. Same question, same statement, different heart. And I, I, really, we can bring subtle divisions amongst us, even in the questions, even in the light that we present people in. And it becomes dangerous and divisive in the kingdom. And we want to close the gap. We want to see that gap close between other people. I want to speak of Sean, that Rian loves him more. I want to speak of Albert, that he loves Rian more. I want to see this gap close, because I want to be an agent of unity. Right? Maybe you can remember that word. And ask yourself, am I being an agent of unity? Am I closing the gap? Or am I being an agent of disunity? And am I widening the gap? All right. We cannot have unity with his offense. And if we've allowed bitterness in us to widen this gap, we're dead in the water. We're dead in the water. We're not moving forward. We're not reflecting Christ. If we're not reflecting Christ, what are we doing? We're wasting our time here on a Sunday morning. I'm just saying. <laughs> right? If we're not reflecting Christ to the world, what are we doing? Are we going to respond? Are we going to respond to that? You want to bow your heads? Let's bow our heads. And maybe just as our heads are bowed, we want to ask the Holy Spirit, we want to say, Holy Spirit, would you come right now into this moment and would you show us maybe areas in our life where we have not closed the gap, where we've widened the gap, where we haven't been an agent of unity, Lord. And I want to encourage each and, you, each and every one of you right now where you're sitting to ask the Holy Spirit that for yourself. Say, Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal to me where I haven't brought unity, where I haven't closed the gap? It's between you and the Lord, this. I just want to give you a moment. I want you to ask Him because really this is between you and Him. Between you and him. Come, Holy Spirit. And yeah, as we're sitting here, as the Holy Spirit ministers to us, we can we can start right now in closing that gap. God's so good and so gracious to us, you know. By turning to Him, by repenting of things like maybe this unforgiveness. Maybe, as I've used some of the examples today, there's unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody in this congregation, towards leadership, towards fellow saints, fellow brothers and sisters. 
Maybe there's bitterness. The picture I have there is that seed of bitterness that gets planted in that gap. And a tree grows there. And unless the Lord comes and uproots that tree, that bitterness, there can't be unity. You're blocked now by this bitterness, this tree, this big tree that's grown out of a seed. And he wants to come and remove that today. He wants to come and pull it out. So maybe, maybe you've got bitterness in your heart and animosity towards your, your fellow saints. It all comes through offense. Because people are people. Maybe there are areas of sin in your life. And sin will separate us as well as us from God. You know that. The Bible says we are to live in the light as He is in the light so that we can have true fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus will wash us white as snow. Cleanse us from our sins. So maybe there's sin in your life, obvious sin in your life. Obvious sin, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry. Maybe you've got involved in the occult. You're taking part in practices that you shouldn't really be put, that don't bring glory to Jesus. Yoga doesn't close the gap between you and him. Maybe you've got negative thoughts towards people that you need to take captive right now. Holy Spirit, would you come and just minister to your people? Come and minister to your people. Yeah, I was just as Ross was... um highlighting that maybe some of us have unforgiveness or offenses in our heart. I feel like some of us are going, I'm not offended with anyone, but I feel like today, even if there's a shadow in your heart towards somebody, God wants to deal with that thing. Because the shadow would make that you, it's not like you're angry with them, but you might decide to stay, you know, steer clear of them. They're in that side of the room, you'd just rather be in this side of the room. That's not unity, that's a gap. That's not one heart, one mind, one spirit. That's not the unity Jesus wants for you guys. So I almost feel like if there's that shadow towards somebody, even today, choose to just repent of that. Choose to let go of that subtle, like, mm, I maybe stay care of that person. I'm not angry with them, I'm not really offended, but yeah. So right now, we, we're trusting the Holy Spirit's ministering to our hearts. So let's not move past this, this moment. This is, this is not me preaching. This is the Holy Spirit working in our hearts. Yeah, sometimes the, the gap gets opened not through our own actions or that which has been done to us, but something that we perceive has been done to another. 
or perhaps in the picture that I saw almost was like a wife coming to a husband and almost telling him this has happened to me and instead of the husband actually being the leader and, and, and pushing towards he goes yes you're right that, that's not right and kind of he almost leads his wife in the other way so there's just a sense of husbands there is a responsibility that you have as the, as the leader in the home to help guide your wives through certain circumstances and the same for wives as well that's not an exclusive thing you know or perhaps you've taken offense because your husband didn't get a call on his birthday and now because he didn't get he's fine or you you didn't get a call and she's fine and there's this thing of once again we just open this gap in our heart we just take one step but unfortunately because we're one with our partner suddenly they come with us and there's that danger of as you know two go now we we start to fix it there is a sense that if God is speaking to you. Why not, why not be free of it? Why not let it go? We want you with us. The, even just the simple illustration of Rian going away, when that happens, sometimes we know and we can take action and we can try to reconcile, but perhaps those shadows that Margot spoke about is you've moved away from others, you've moved away from us, you've even moved away from Christ. And we can't see that shadow, but it's in you and you know it. This morning there's an opportunity to respond to him.